Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season three. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining us today uh, is a gentleman that's been on the front lines of the war against COVID and is now a candidate for the governor of the great state of Tennessee, Dr. Jason Martin. Welcome to the Man in the Middle. Hi, good evening. Thank you so much for having me. Well, well, it's a real pleasure to have you here, Dr. Martin. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you. You visited Murfreesboro in Rutherford County a few weeks ago and uh, came out and had the pleasure to meet you and your family. And uh, tell us, uh, tell my listeners who haven't had the chance to meet you yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where, you, where you come from and, and uh, what, you're, what you're doing today. Sure, absolutely. So my name is uh, Jason Martin. I'm a candidate for governor. I am a uh, dad of three beautiful daughters, ages 14, 12, and 10. I am a husband to Jennifer Martin, uh, who's a dermatologist here in uh, Middle Tennessee. Uh, I'm a critical care doctor, so that means I work in the intensive care unit. Uh, and I'm a fellow Tennessean. Uh, I moved to Tennessee about 20 years ago to do my medical training. I grew up down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, in a you know pretty rural community, much like many of the rural communities here in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, fell in love with Tennessee, met my, you know, had a family and uh, put down roots here. Wonderful. Fantastic. So, so let's just, we'll jump right in here with the virus. Uh, you've been on the front lines of this battle against COVID from the very beginning. Uh, where are we now in your assessment, doctor? What do we need to do? Uh, I can assure you the listeners of this podcast have been following uh, all of the guidelines, probably to the best of their ability. But where are we now in your uh, assessment of this? And, and how far do you think we have to go? Sure. You know, I, it, it's, a, it's a complicated question. Um, you know, we are better off than we were a couple of months ago. I think, you know, with the Delta resurgence, uh, we've really had a hard time. Uh, we've had a, a really, unfortunately, high unvaccinated rate. And, and so that left a lot of fuel, if you will, for the virus to spread in our community. And so the Delta variant, with its increased infectivity and increased ability to land people in the hospital, really took advantage of that and taxed us quite a bit. Now, I, I do feel like the hospitals are starting to turn the corner in terms of capacity. Um, the ICUs are kind of a lagging indicator, so we're still struggling in the ICUs, uh, working above capacity every single day. Um, but I do feel like things are starting to get better, um, and, I, and it's for a number of reasons. First of all, I think people are more aware of the virus. Our vaccination rates are starting to pick up now. That's cutting off the, the, the fuel source, if you will, for the virus. Also, some of our therapies are, are getting better. Um, and, you know, like the antibody therapies and such are keeping people out of the hospital. And then I think people are also just being better stewards and caring about one another, wearing masks when they're in close uh, proximity to other folks and uh, doing their best to stay distant. So I think we're making progress. That's great news and good to hear. And we obviously still have a long way to go. It's not over yet, right. but uh, uh, but we're doing better. Governor, this this virus, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, Governor-elect, let's put it there, hopefully one day, uh, th- this virus really um, inspired you to run 
for governor. You've never been in politics before. And uh, go through, I, I think what you're trying to say is it didn't have to be this way. Is that really what you're trying to say? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. So, you know, I work at small hospitals up in uh, Sumner County and even in our little hospitals, you know, we've had to say goodbye to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients. And, uh, you know, just this afternoon I had uh, two patients pass away and that's a life changing experience. And there's one in particular that I consider my call to action. And it was this young girl uh, who was only 14 years old, who was the only English speaker in her family. And we had to call her last summer in the middle of the night and tell her that her daddy had died. Wow. And that was an incredibly powerful moment. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, the sorrow I felt in that moment and the team, the sorrow that we felt as a team, I don't feel like it was ever reflected in any actions from the, from the governor's office or any words from the governor's office. And I realized that with a little bit of leadership, some of the 14,000 Tennesseans who have passed away in the last 18 months might have survived if they had had people telling them the truth from the top, if they had had people making policy that would keep the community safe, to keep our kids in school safely, to keep our businesses open. And so I saw there was a lack of leadership. And and honestly, that lack of leadership extends to so many other areas in Tennessee life, education, healthcare more broadly. And so those are the things I want to go out and talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I think a lot of people agree with you, Dr. Martin, that, that a lot of more things could have been done. We lead the nation in school closures now. We, I mean, we could have seen that we saw this coming. The experts saw this coming, tried to warn the politicians, and they didn't listen. Or they played politics with, unfortunately, another infectious disease in this country. You talked about that's broader right. issues. I'm going to move on from COVID. Uh, you talked about broader issues. Recently, a state representative in Tennessee brought to my attention that 50% of the children born in this state is paid for by Medicaid. And for our listeners out there, a lot of people out there don't really know, a lot of folks don't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare is for the old, for older folks. When you get over 60, you can draw or you have a, a guaranteed basic health care program. But Medicaid is for the folks who are at or below the poverty level. Dr. Martin, uh, what can we do about half of our new babies being born into poverty into this state? Yeah, well, you know, we need to, you know, create prosperity for folks and or at least create conditions where people can go out and work hard and be prosperous. And I think there's a couple of things we need to do. First of all, we need to invest in education for our kids because education is the way that we give people, you know, a a leg up when they go out there and, and try to get into the workforce. We need to give people skills right now in the state of Tennessee, despite having billions and billions of dollars in the bank in a rainy day fund. We are 47th in the nation yeah. when it comes to funding our schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the Republicans and, you know, and they love to say, well, we're fully funding education right now based on what's called the BEP, which is a right. formula that they use to fund education. Right. And unfortunately, the formula is is flawed because the formula uh, is 11,000 teachers light in terms of what it pays for mm-hmm. to meet state requirements for our students. So. You know, we're, we're just dramatically underfunding our education system. That's one, one problem. The other problem is that, you know, there's a pot of money called TANF funds. It's temporary assistance for needy family funds that we could be using to help give uh, uh, help to folks who are, are, are basically working poor. So people who are out there working full time but just not having enough money to get basic necessities. That money is about a billion dollars. And 
and the legislature has refused to put that money to work for folks, we could use that money without increasing our tax rates. We could use that money right. to help with after school care in certain circumstances so that parents don't have to choose between working and taking care of their families. We could use it for technical programs to help give kids a trade if two or four year college isn't right for them. So there's so much we can do with what we have on hand now to improve educational opportunities for our kids. And that's one way you break the poverty cycle. That that's couldn't agree more, doctor. And and that's uh, exactly what I was going to ask you about was education. So you are committed to improving education in the state of Tennessee. Yes, sir, I am. And I tell you, you know, there's it's been looked at, and we're a, we're about a billion dollars a year short in terms of our funding. Yeah. Um, if we're going to really provide quality education to our kids, and look, that money doesn't just disappear. That money doesn't go away. That money creates value by investing in human capital. These are the people who are going to go out and be an educated workforce and they're going to attract new businesses to their community. So I think it's, it's something that, you know, we definitely need to look at more of as an investment rather than an expense. Yeah, couldn't have said it better, doctor. That's that's a great point. Um, we want we want these young folks to be ready for the jobs of tomorrow that are coming to Tennessee, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, let me touch on infrastructure. This is my uh, my sweet spot, doctor. I've been in the road building business my whole life. We have some candidates out there that are run that are are saying that they may run on repealing the gas tax, which was the 2016 Improve Act that was passed by Republican Governor Haslam. And it took 25 Democrats to help him get across the finish line there, uh, Craig Fitzhugh uh, being the leader at that time. Um, when you're elected governor, Dr. Martin, will you will you guarantee me that you'll veto any attempt to repeal the gas tax? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, like nobody likes to pay taxes, right? But this is a right. tax that's very important for Tennessee. I mean, it Tennessee is. is what we call a pay-as-you-go state when it comes to uh, roads. And that means, you know, when we've got the money, that's when you get your four-lane road to your county seat, or that's when you get your bridge that you need in your community. So it's imperative that we have you know, money to work with. And, uh, you know, the EV tax, the gas tax, these are ways that we all contribute uh, to things that we all benefit from. And so uh, I can absolutely make that commitment to you. And look, again, I want to tie all this back to a healthy economy. If you want businesses to come to your town and set up shop, you got to have roads and bridges and infrastructure for them to, you know, sell their wares and get them in and out and and get the products to market that's exactly right um well i really appreciate that that they're uh, just to give you an idea the average tennessean that drives about ten thousand miles a year uh that gets about 20 miles the gallon they pay about 250 dollars a year to utilize the system in tennessee and really all over the country they can go anywhere they can ship their goods anywhere which to me right. is a real bargain 250 bucks uh, to have access to this market and for people to be able to move freely is a real deal. So you brought up opportunity and jobs. And this is uh, it, this has been an interesting week in Tennessee. Ford, as yes. you know, just announced a $5.6 billion investment. Uh, General Motors in, in green car, uh, electric cars and a battery plant. General Motors over in Spring Hill, very close to me, has announced a $2 billion investment. Volkswagen has announced an $800 million investment, all in electric cars. Dr. Martin, can you say that you endorse clean air and, and Tennesseans on the tip of the spear on the battle against climate change in the future? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And, you know, I think it's 
uh, I, I wish that Governor Lee was talking as much about the environment, environmental impact that Tennessee is going to have on the rest of the nation as he is about the jobs that are that are coming to town. Because yep. this is a real opportunity for Tennessee to be a leader uh, in electric cell production, and and I think we can pivot and use that up that uh, that opportunity to be a leader in other uh, aspects. I mean, obviously with TVA, uh, we are you know leaders in in hydroelectric and clean energy production but let's let's invest in solar let's let's um let's be leaders in other aspects of uh of the green economy and uh you know i think that you know i also as we're talking about the ford plan in particular you know we're going to be talking about a special session soon uh to uh, approve a half a billion dollars in incentives for ford to come to town i would also say this might be an opportunity for us to have a special session to talk about other pressing matters like education like healthcare more broadly um, there are some, you know, there are some issues that have been impacting Tennesseans for many, many years, many, many years that have been overlooked. And uh, I think it might be time to address those issues as well. Could agree more. Absolutely. Uh, especially if we're going to get them all together, we might as well, you know, uh, now, honestly, it's kind of scary for me, doctor, because I don't know what's going to come out of every session that they did. It's usually not what I expect. Um, That's right. Let me uh, let me just stay with the car theme here just for a second. The United the United Auto Workers, good friends of mine over in Spring Hill, they went on strike about a year ago, and what they were doing was they were protecting these temporary workers that would come in that the uh, corporations would hire at a much lower rate and would uh, use them as a temporary worker just so they could pay them less and provide them no benefits. And the United Auto Workers went on strike to prevent that from happening. Do you support unions and the right uh, of unions to organize in the state of Tennessee? Thank you for that question, and absolutely. I mean, we, we, support, um, we support the labor movement in Tennessee and, and more broadly wherever we can. I mean, you know, my grandfather, uh, was uh, an IBEW member. He was a lineman in South Alabama uh, when when he was younger. So, yeah, I mean, unions are important to our family and uh, definitely important to our state. If you look at, you know, wage security, benefit security, workplace safety, all of these things have been moved forward by labor acting collectively. Um, and look, there's no reason that business and labor, management and labor, can't coexist and grow together. I mean, because they Absolutely. are codependent. Absolutely. Um, and so and I don't think it has to be adversarial, but, you know, you, you need to have an environment where where the the um, the wealth that gets created, the benefit that these companies create gets distributed amongst the people who are generating the wealth. You know what I mean? Uh, that they're you know, an they, actual they are, stakeholder. They are the engine. Yeah. yeah, that they're an That's actual right. stakeholder. You know, when the, I'll never forget when the Germans first came to Chattanooga. I think it was Senator Bob Corker, and, and the Germans were shocked that we would not have a labor representative as part of the uh, leadership team. And uh, mm -hmm. anyway, it took a lot of, of uh, talking to the German management there. They just couldn't believe that we would actually operate that way. So uh, it's good to hear that you support the unions. Mm -hmm. Dr. Martin, I'm going to get a little bit more political with you here. Sure. Um, the governor, there's this thing called the Emergency Powers Act uh, that was enacted by Governor Lee during the pandemic. Um, I've never seen an Emergency Powers Act where the governor kind of cherry-picked picked and chose the parts that he wanted to be an emergency, but other parts that he didn't. 
Dr. Martin, will you promise to uh, the listeners of the Man in the Middle podcast that you'll be transparent uh, if you unfortunately have to invoke the Emergency Powers Act? Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, I think that, you know, the Emergency Powers Act is to be used in uh, extraordinary circumstances. And it, it, there has to be transparency. There has to be consultation uh, with, other, with all the stakeholders involved um, before you, you know, do anything extraordinary. Mm-hmm. There is uh, $500 million so far of no-bid contracts that this governor has let. And, you know, that's one of the things that's granted through emergency powers. You basically get to bypass the legislature um, and spend the money how you see appropriate. Um, when you're elected governor, will you make sure that the federal funds the state of Tennessee have been used appropriately? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I applaud uh, Senator, Senator Heidi Campbell, uh, who has yeah. been calling for some accountability with some of those no-bid contracts. And, and I hope, you know, and I think this is this doesn't have to be political, right? Every Tennessean should, in my opinion, want to know that their dollars are being spent wisely. Um, because, I mean, you know, fiscal responsibility is, is part of why, it's part of our responsibility as leaders when, when we get into office. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I hope that gets looked into. Great to hear that. So, so you mentioned about you know you, you have to work together. So, so when you win this mm-hmm. thing, you're going to have to probably work with a supermajority, a Republican supermajority. Right. How do you do that, Dr. Martin? How do you get an agenda through working with the other side? Well, listen. Uh, one one thing you know about me, um, if, if if you know me well, is that I'm not a flamethrower. Uh, I don't go out and um, I'm not a name caller. I'm, I'm, I'm generally uh, driven by consensus. And so, you know, I, while, uh, you know, I am proud to be running on, you know, strong democratic principles of, you know, healthcare and education and a fair economy, I think those are actually Tennessee, Tennessee values as well. And so I'm hoping that we, we can find some middle ground. Um, we can find some uh, middle ground working with folks um, and, also, and to be completely transparent with you, I'm going to just to not completely accept the premise of the question. We're going to go out and work hard on chipping away at that, at that supermajority. Well, uh, I, I, I really but, think you can do that, especially here in Rutherford yeah. County. The numbers, um, as, I, as we spoke uh, before privately, the numbers in Rutherford County were some of the biggest chain, flipping numbers in a presidential race in the last four years here in Rutherford County. Mm-hmm. Some of the largest numbers in the nation. Uh, and so I really think that uh, that you can uh, run a very competitive race, and you're going to need the independents. The name of the show is The Man in the Middle. I'm a moderate Democrat or consider myself right. that. Joe Manchin's kind of ruining it for all of us right now. But <laughs> but really, we, we believe in the ideas that most people believe in um, that, that are just common sense ideas. Uh, Let me give you an example that's traditionally been a conservative idea. Dr. Martin, do you support the local control of health departments and school boards in the state of Tennessee? Absolutely. I mean, it's really been appalling. And I think the COVID COVID crisis has really, um, uh, you know, shone a light on the fact that there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on with our Republican governor, who's always, you know, prized himself on, local control and 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 uh, avoiding state preemption but no but here he comes every time a, a school board you know makes a uh, mask requirement to protect the lives and safety of their kids and teachers you know he comes in and 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 signs an executive order to 
take the teeth out of their individual responsibilities. And the, by the way, the only reason that these local school boards are, are acting out of desperation is because there's no state plan for dealing with one of the biggest problems of our time. It's unbelievable. Uh, and yeah. It is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's completely hypocritical of Governor Lee to then come in and, you know, preempt uh, local control. Not only that, but then spend millions and millions of dollars defending it in, in the federal courts. Yes. Uh, taking up a lot of our, you know, bandwidth that could be used for other things. Absolutely. So it, it it's disgraceful. And then, you know, you, you see it also uh, from the legislature when it comes to funding public schools. I mean, that Cameron Sexton, uh, Speaker Sexton, has threatened veto, I'm sorry, threatened um, voucher programs on school districts that have not gone the way he wants them to go. And that, mm-hmm. that in, mm-hmm. in my mind, is an admission that vouchers are weapons to defund public schools. Well, it certainly fuels the left conspiracy theory for, for Democrats like me that, that they may be intentionally doing some of this just to make the public school system look bad. I, I really cannot believe that they would stoop to that level. But but um, unfortunately, this lends credit to that, all of, all of the things that they're saying. That's right. Dr. Martin, in my, in my uh, county, here in Rutherford County, we were blessed with a brand-new hospital about uh, 15 years ago. St. Thomas mm-hmm. came in, really changed this community. And uh, the, the growth that Rutherford County has experienced has been tremendous. Some of the fastest-growing uh, counties in the, in the country and definitely in the state of Tennessee. Um, so St. Thomas came in, um, changed my community a lot of commerce. Hospitals are economic super centers. They drive a lot of economic activity uh, around. And and I don't want to get you in, in any hot water here I, uh, with your employer or anything, but Vanderbilt University has tr- is trying to come to my community. Um, they are willing to spend $145 million of their own money, no taxpayer money, and they're being stopped by this thing called a certificate of need. Uh, where do you stand on the certificate of need, and and if if a private company like Vanderbilt Medical wants to build a hospital with their own money, I mean, how how can we stop that? And, and I know that we can. I know yeah, there's I'm, a law out there to stop that, but I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Sure. So some of your question, I had a little audio issue, but I think what you're asking me about is why can't Vanderbilt come to town uh, and build a hospital if they want to? That's right. Uh, and how does the certificate of need play into that? So uh, to be honest with you, I don't know the ins and outs of the certificate of need process. I do know that every bed has to be licensed by the state. Right. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure uh, that it's it can be a political process. And I'm sure it's probably also based on population and then what the perceived need is in the community. It is. I'll have to get back to you about the details of that. Sure. Um, well, and I appreciate that, and, and, and thanks for giving me that answer. It's it's something that I recently learned about. I'd heard of the certificate mm-hmm. of need before, um, but, you know, I, I believe that every American in Tennessee is entitled to basic health care, and um, mm-hmm. uh, conservative folks, Republicans, have been preaching for years the free market, and here's a chance for free market health care to come into my community, and now they're stopping that from happening. Let me say this. I'm a customer of St. Thomas have never had a problem. I uh, love St. Thomas and my doctors there and would never change or have no reason to change. But I just think that more hospitals, especially by people like Vanderbilt, is a good thing, especially during a well, pandemic. That, yeah. No, I, th- I, think, I think that more health care in general is a good thing. And you all are blessed 
to have this problem where more people want to come to town because exactly. so many people in Tennessee have the opposite problem. Like, unfortunately, uh, you know, we're giving up a billion with a B billion dollars a year by not participating in Medicaid expansion, which is again, it's an, it's an affordable insurance for hardworking Tennesseans. And because we've given up on that money, you know, part of the reason that's part of the reason why we've lost 14 hospitals yes. since 2012 in the state of Tennessee, primarily in rural communities, communities mm-hmm. that need them the most. That's right. One fifth of our 95 counties in Tennessee don't even have an emergency room. And right. so that's why we're going to push really hard to get uh, Medicaid expanded when I'm governor, because that brings more money into the system. Um, and, uh, and it allows um, more opportunities for healthcare, and, and particularly in rural communities. And I want to say one more thing. Sure. You want to talk about people going out and, and, and having high-paying jobs? You need an educated workforce like we talked about. You need a healthy workforce. Yeah. You can't go out there with a, with a blown back or so short of breath that you can't walk and expect to be productive members Or of communicable society. So, diseases, right? Uh, you, you that's know. right. Yeah, I mean – Exactly. So we want you. We want you to be educated and healthy, and just you know, be all you can be. And 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 even though you're running for governor, this is a national security issue. The health of our citizens is a national security issue. Yeah, I think that's totally true. Yeah, uh, Dr. Martin, where can folks find out more about you, and how can we learn more, and and um, and how can some folks send you some money? I hope after they listen to oh. this podcast. Well, that would, thank you very much for that. So, uh, first of all, uh, you can learn about our campaign on the web at www.martinfortn.com. Martin4tn.com. And listen, right now uh, we are on a 95-county um, uh, listening tour, so we'll be coming to every county in the state. Uh, we've been to about a quarter of them so far. And um, so check out our Facebook page, our Twitter, you know, all the social media outlets that I'm not super keen with but people on my staff are will be able to uh you know direct you to where our next events are but yeah if you are interested in learning more about us uh, and maybe maybe making a contribution the website's a great place to start absolutely anything you would like to leave our listeners with uh, dr martin i know it's been a yeah, long just, week you've you've been on the covid ward all week you've been working with patients for what seven days 10 straight days what, what? yeah it's been uh it's been 11 out of 14 days in wow. the icu i have to i kind of group my time together so that i can you know have some time for traveling and, and talking about the governor's race as well uh it's been really tough but i just want to tell people that i am so proud to be a tennessean right now and and, and i and, and i'm in this race not because I have had this lifelong aspiration to be a politician, but because I'm a concerned husband, I'm a concerned dad, I'm a concerned Tennessean, and I just know we can do better. I know we can do better. Um, I want to get back to the sense of volunteerism that makes Tennessee such a great place to live and raise a family. Thank you for taking the time uh, this evening, Dr. Martin. Dr. Jason Martin, candidate for governor of the great state of Tennessee. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. I'll see you next week. Oh, you